Thank you, Father. Man. <clears throat> Kenny Chesney put out a song a couple of years ago called Noise. And uh, he talks about, uh, the, the words talk about the constant noise that we put up with in this everyday life. Can you all relate? Yep. I mean, there's a lot of noise. I mean, I, I thought we were, after this political season, I thought we'd be over the noise. Because <laughs> it's a little bit louder, but it's still noisy, right? See, here's what I love about God. Um, several years ago, Lynette and I got to go to Maui. That's cool. So I don't like being on a plane that long, but we got to go to Maui. And when we got there the first day, I, I just think about the different contrasts of who God is. First day we got there, we stayed in a hotel that was not where we were going to stay for the duration of the, of, the, of the trip. So we got to this hotel and not too far from the airport, checked in and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, there's a five-hour time difference between us and there, uh, in Colorado and, and there. And so we went to bed like at seven. Um, but at four o'clock in the morning, this hotel room was pitch black. I mean, we couldn't see nothing. I wake up, I lean over to Lynette and I said, um, are you awake? She says, yes. I said, I figured you were cause I can hear your eyelids moving because it was so quiet in that place. So quiet. God is that way. The still small voice of who he is, it's almost silent. It's just this, this silence that takes place, but he's there. The next day we go to the hotel that we were checking into and our doors opened out to the ocean. Four o'clock in the morning. I said, are you awake? She said, yeah. All I can hear is the roar of the ocean. And it's so good. See, the Bible says that the voice of God is like many roaring waters. See, he wants to, he wants to possess our times of noise. And he'll, he'll arrest noise with his roar or with his still soft voice, small voice. And we need to learn how to live in that instead of living in the noise. When there's noise going on in your life, either lean into the roar or lean into the still small voice because that middle ground, that ain't where we live. We live in his voice and his presence. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your voice. Thank you so much for giving us an alternative to the noise that goes on every day in our lives. And Father, I pray that every person would just begin to step into that, to, to realize that and to lean into your roar or to lean into your still small voice to overcome the noise. We thank you. We praise you, God, for giving us that security in who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You received that this morning? Good stuff. So tell it. Tell somebody hello, turn around, fist bump, high five, shake hands, hug, whatever you want to do.
Tell them you're glad to see them this morning. Amen. Well, good morning. How's everybody this morning? Good to see y'all. Good to uh, good to be in the house of the Lord, right? Amen. The uh, I love what uh, I can't remember the psalm. It is you can go look it up for yourself. But uh, David, King David, said, "I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord.'" Amen. And so I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad that our Facebook uh, live or whatever platform you're listening to us on the computer. We're, we're so glad you come to our house today. We're glad that you invited us into yours. And we just, um, man, we're excited to be with you and our online community, in-person community, wherever you're at. We just, we just appreciate everybody for being a part of this service this morning. It's going to be a good service. It's going to be a good one this morning. Because, um, you know, one of the things that I love is um, legacy. I love legacy because legacy doesn't just make a difference it doesn't just um you know it's it's not normal legacy is carrying one place to another place and improving improving upon where you were at as to where you're going and so today i get to introduce um a an amazing man because he's taken my legacy and he's taken off with it. So um, better, better than I could ever be. And so um, uh, over, over the holidays, um, my daughter did something for my son. <laughs> she, um, she got him a gift and made him a Lord. <laughs> so this gift is that my daughter bought for my son, what is it, 10 by 10? 10, 10, the, the square footage of 10 by 10 section of land in Scotland. <laughs> and when you own land in Scotland, you become a lord. <laughs> so, you know, some, some people have a... a uh, suffix after their name, you know, a junior, whatever. But my son has a prefix. <laughs> and today, while he's ministering to you, if you say, yes, Lord, it, it happens in two different realms. <laughs> you can say, yes, Lord, or yes, Lord. <laughs> so today I, I get the uh, awesome opportunity. I thought, you know, when I get up to introduce him, I'm going to cry like a big old baby, but I feel good today. I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm going to cry, but it is, it is an awesome honor to have my son. Take on and do what I'm doing, what my wife and I are doing. And, um, he, uh, you know, we never pushed our kids into doing ministry or anything like that. Uh, we just asked them to be who they are. And so today you're going to get to experience that and to, to be, so many of you know who Red is, but now you get to experience Lord Red. All right. So would y'all give a welcome to my son, Red? 
All right. Wow, talk about an intro. Well, as Dad said, I'm Lord Rhett, and you will address me as such. <laughs> totally kidding. Please don't address me as Lord Rhett. That makes me feel really awkward. <clears throat> well, uh, as Dad mentioned, um, he's giving me the opportunity to uh, speak to you guys, and I just want to bring honor to uh, the father and mother of this house because they take a lot of time and a lot of consideration into who who get. Hey, buddy, <laughs> my buddy Alan over there. Uh, they take a lot of time and a lot of consideration into who gets to come up here and speak to you guys, and it's an honor and it's a privilege to be able to uh, come up here and speak. Uh, I know that they don't take who they put up here lightly, and I don't take it lightly either. So thank you guys. We'll give it up for the mother and father of this house. <clears throat> All right. Well, if you haven't gotten the chance to meet me, uh, I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about myself. I am the product of Pastor Darren and Lynette. <laughs> It's a pretty good product, I'd say. I mean, right? But um, <laughs> don't worry, I'm a humble person. Probably the most humble that you've ever met. No, uh, I actually uh, just got back home. I moved to Texas for a year, actually. And I got to go and intern at Dayton Christian Center. It's a little town in Dayton, obviously, if you haven't heard from the name. Uh, it's a little town in Texas, about an hour and a half northeast of Houston. Um, the pastors of that church, David and Wendy Hilton, uh, you've probably, if you've gone to the Mighty Men's Advance, you've probably gotten to hear from David Hilton, and you've probably gotten to uh, get familiar with him a little bit. If you've been to uh, Moms Arise meetings, you've probably met Wendy Hilton and some of her ladies. Um, they've been here a couple of times to speak, and... Let me tell you, it's like drinking from a fire hose whenever they're here. Imagine being down there for a year in some months. It's incredible. It was probably one of the best things that I could have ever done. But uh, more specifically, I got to intern underneath their worship leader, Jack Lawson. And Jack handled a lot more than just the worship side of things. He also handled a lot of the social media, what goes on behind the scenes of their church. So a lot of their uh, social media and... Um, making sure everything runs every Sunday and Wednesday whenever they have service. But that's what I got to do, and I got to intern directly under him, and I lived on David and Wendy's ranch. And it was just a really cool experience. I wouldn't trade it for the world. A lot of people ask me, why didn't you go to college? Because I didn't want to. <laughs> I figured, why, why spend money to go learn something that I could learn in real life? And yeah, right? Yeah, amen. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, in November, another thing about me, November of 2020, I got engaged. And I am engaged to the most beautiful girl in the world. And what's even more amazing is that the uh, beauty on the outside is reflective of what's on the inside. And I know, I know, she's going to make me cry. I, dad did it. My, my tears were already flowing before worship or during worship, and dad got it, and then Lacey's going to make me cry. But she's an incredible, 
woman of God, and I'm so blessed that God gave me her. Um, besides God, my family, and my lovely fiance, I love saying that. <laughs> uh, a couple more things that I absolutely love to talk about or that pique my interest is music. I absolutely love music. I can listen to just about any genre of music and I enjoy it. I find something to enjoy. I also love shoes, obviously. This is my newest pair of shoes. I have like 20 pairs at home. Way too much for an average guy. But hey, I'm not your average guy. And I love coffee. Jack Lawson, while I was in Texas, got me into coffee. And I am crazy about it because it makes me crazy. All right. Well, that's a little bit about me. Uh, Let's venture away from myself a little bit, uh, and let's actually get into what I want to talk about. Well, uh, during the the process of making this message or building this message, um, I had talked to one of the guys in Texas named Destin, and he was one of the other guitar players on the worship team down there. And he reminded me of a quote that uh, my dad's pastor in Tulsa, Pastor Willie George of Church on the Move, He said, at one point, he said, preach what you know and reproduce who you are. And while I was making this message, I wanted that to be a a foundation of what I was building this message on. And it's not that I don't, (laughs) that sounds bad almost. All the other messages aren't based off of that. I just pull stuff out of my butt. (laughs) Not really. Every every message that I want to, (laughs) that I want to speak... I want it to be a reproduction of who I am and for me to talk about something that I know about and not just a word of mouth kind of thing. So whenever I started formulating this, uh, this message, it, I started thinking about two people in the Bible that really kind of stood out to me while I was making this and kind of helped uh, get the point across of um, what I want to speak about. And if you would, turn to Acts 13. We're getting into the Word today. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> so in Acts 13, uh, a little lead up to what's happening so far, uh, Paul is preaching in Antioch, and he's giving a history of Israel and kind of where they came from. And he starts off talking about the uh, slavery in Egypt and the oppression that they went through there and the liberation that they experienced in the wandering through the wilderness. And um, he, after the wandering of the wilderness, he goes and talks about Joshua and he talks about the battle campaigns that took place in order to take the promised land. And then he tells about uh, the, the building of Israel and tells of how Samuel became to be the prophet. And shortly after Samuel became prophet, how the children of Israel wanted a king because they wanted to be like the other nations, right? Bad choice, in my opinion. But, you know, I'm not a children of Israel at that point. So they go through and they talk about uh, the anointing of Saul to become king. And how Saul was a good king at first, but then he became corrupt. And that's where we're going to pick up, and we're going to start in verse 22. Verse 22 reads, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, 
I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Let's pray really quick. Dear Father God, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this opportunity that you've given me, Father God. I pray for the words that come out of my mouth to be clear and to be of you, Father God, that you bless and anoint every word that comes out of my mouth. Lord, if there's a word that comes out that's not meant to be heard or that carries, uh, that doesn't carry your weight, Father God, I pray that it falls flat and it falls on deaf, deaf ears. Father God, I pray that you anoint us and I pray that you open our hearts to hear from you and to receive what you are saying to us this morning, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, you want to hear more about me? I feel like Toby Keith. Want to talk about me? Want to talk about I? Want to talk about number one? No, I'm kidding. Uh, so, uh, from the time that I started volunteering in church and started serving here, uh, shoot, I was probably in fifth or sixth grade. So I was just a little guy, but I started serving in the children's church and I started serving in the uh, nursery taking care of the little ones. And uh, I, that's, that's where I started. And through, I slowly got out of the nursery and I moved into working the uh, computer booth in the big kids auditorium. And after that, I started moving out into this area, helping in the hospitality a little bit, helping greet at the front door a couple of times, but that's where I mainly served was in the kids' church area. Well, towards, I'd say, the end of my eighth grade year, beginning of my freshman year, I felt like God was calling me to be on the worship team. So I got in contact with Kirsty. I started uh, coming to practices, and I started becoming part of the worship team. And that's where I've been ever since. I've, I've, uh, I've served on a worship team since that moment. And the, being able to serve on a worship team was a big reason why I moved to Texas. Uh, I made a, a connection with Jack Lawson whenever they came up here one time. And he really... It was like a bond that started right away. I mean, me and him became like brothers, and even more so since I've spent time down there. But moving to Texas was a big learning curve for me because I not only served in church down there, but I was part of building their church. They built a new building right at, right at the time that I went down there. And they were just getting the, uh, they had just laid the foundation and they had the frame of the building up. So I got to be part of building that and helping them with that. And that was a really, a really cool opportunity because I expected to go down there and just learn uh, about my guitar more. <clears throat> I, I expected to learn about worship more. I expected to learn, Lord knows what else. I didn't expect to build a building though, <clears throat> but I did. And it was a really cool experience to be able to do that. Well, whenever we got the building up, I, I was able to serve on the worship team still. Uh, I helped Jack with service production. I helped him to basically edit uh, service throughout the, throughout the week. And I helped him with every, every week's stuff of making sure that everything was going to run right whenever it came time for Sunday or Wednesday night services. 
Well, at the same time, I was also working on their ranch down there. And you may have heard the story about mom, mom's experience with El Cazador, uh, the, the fighting bull that we had down there. And that was, I didn't expect to learn much about the bull industry or to be around him a whole bunch. Well, I ended up being their feed hand. And I got to be around these bulls that the, the three that, the, the three that I really enjoyed being around, they are, they were the three top 10 or they were part of the top 10 finishers in the ABBI finals this year. There, if you want to look them up, I looked up one of them on uh, the PBR website. His name is Butterfly Kisses. <laughs> Most beautiful bull that you'll ever see. Like this sucker is just beefed up. No pun intended. I mean, suckers beefed up. Well, uh, so Butterfly Kisses, Mr. Right Now, and Backjack. <clears throat> those are, those were three of the bulls that are really notable down there. But I, I got to serve them doing that. And from my move to Texas and my move back from Texas, I started to really get an understanding for what servanthood is. And it was something was instilled on the inside of me from both my family down there and my family up here and the church down there and my church up here. Those things really influenced how I see serving and what serving looks like to me. And that's exactly what I want to talk about this morning is uh, serving. So I am my father's son, and I like to look up the definitions of words. And I looked up what serving means. And to no surprise, serving is defined as performing duties or services for another person or an organization. One thing that I learned down there, serving is always supposed to uh, advance where you're going. It's never supposed to be a setback. If you're uh, causing setbacks or a lack in productivity, find another place to serve, maybe. Sorry. I'm just being honest. Find something that you're good at. Find something that you enjoy and that you're good at. That's really going to cause a lot of production. But that's, that's what, one thing that I learned a lot. Another thing that uh, serving ta- taught me is, um, well... Excuse me, let me go back a little bit. What I found in servanthood, l- learning to serve down there and up here, it really made a footprint on my heart of what servanthood should be. And that's what I wanted to title this message was the footprint of servanthood. So formulating this message, I came up with three things uh, that I want you to take away. And I call these things the three qualities of the footprint of servanthood. Now, I want, I, I, I want it to be known. I don't have these things figured out exactly. I'm still learning these things as well. So as I'm preaching this message, I'm getting stuff out of it as I want you to get stuff out of it. So I'm not up here teaching you and telling you, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, you got to do that. I'm learning these things also. I'm just a vessel for it, right? So the first point that I want to say is servanthood is about making yourself available by saying yes. 
Uh, if you would, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel 17. Now, as I mentioned before, I thought of two people in the Bible that really brought or helped me to get this idea out, you know? And King David was one of those people. Surprise, uh, like two of the three messages that I've done have been about King David, if you hadn't seen that coming. Um, in, in 1 Samuel 17, if everybody's there, if you're not, be faster. Uh, <laughs> 1 Samuel 17, we'll start in verse 17. It says, One day Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. Skip to verse 20. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with, set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. First off, we know that David's a pretty good servant because he's willing to look after sheep. Raise your hand if you just want to wake up in the morning and look after sheep. All right, fair, fair. (laughs) Sheep, uh, for me, I don't want to wake up and and look after sheep. They kind of stink, right? But David was willing to do it. He was like, yeah, yeah, I'll take care of that for my dad, right? But he was also obviously a servant because he was willing to take bread to his brothers. And it's guess that David's around 17 years old right now. Who knows of a 17-year-old that whenever your parents ask you to do something for your siblings, you're like, yeah, let me jump right to it. Let me go. No, I wasn't. Whenever mom and dad asked me to do stuff for Riyadh, I was like, Fine. Uh, even last night, I'll tattle on myself a little bit. Last night, when mom asked me to go get pizza for the family. And whenever she texted, I went, <clears throat> I don't want to go. Lacey can, Lacey's nodding her head. Yeah, she was right there. But that's impressive for a 17-year-old to just say, all right, I'm, I'm on it. I got you, Dad. I'll do it. That's pretty impressive for a 17-year-old to do. But David... Not even a couple verses later, demonstrated another time that he was willing to say yes, right? By the time that he was uh, to the camp, Goliath was out yelling at, yelling at his brothers, calling them a bunch of pansies. And David's like, who's this guy? What? What? What, what, are, you, what are you scared of? He's only seven foot tall, eight foot, nine foot tall. I could do that. In, in verse 32, he says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. The homie's like 17. <laughs> like five, five foot something. I'm six foot and I don't want to fight somebody that's even six four. <laughs> David's like, here, let me take this. Well, just for good measure, after he put the stone in the middle of Goliath's forehead, he goes up and cuts his head off. He was bad, right? Well, he goes back. After he cuts off Goliath's head, he takes the head back and he walks it over and he stands in Saul's tent. And from that moment on, Saul was like, I like this kid. This kid cool. He cut the head off of people. He cool, man. If you go to 1 Samuel 18, the next chapter over, and you look in verse 2, it says, From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. 
Obviously, Saul took a liking to him because he wouldn't let him go home. He's like, hey, just forget about Jesse. I'm your new dad, right? I'll adopt you. Well, David went to the palace from that point on, and he served Saul. And he served Saul very, very loyally. I mean, to the point where he didn't care if the dude was trying to kill him. He was like, I... I'll serve you still. I don't care if you try to throw a spear at me. You're my king. I'll serve you. If you look at 1 Samuel 24, uh, up to this point, Saul had been chasing David for a while, and he chased him into the wilderness. Well, David started forming this band of mighty men around him, people that were fleeing from other countries. I mean, they had no home. They were looking for something. So they found David and they started forming this band of brothers, basically. And if you look at 1 Samuel 24, verse 4 is where we'll start. says, Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put, the, put your enemy into, into your power to do, to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience started bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed, the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had, the, had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. That's pretty incredible, if I do say so myself. I've never had a boss that tried to kill me. Thank God. Now, granted, David and and Josh Hilton got me in some hairy situations. They never tried to kill me, though. But, I mean, would you still serve your boss if he tried to kill you? I sure hope you wouldn't, but... I mean, kudos to you if you did. That's impressive. But maybe, hopefully, your boss isn't trying to kill you. If he is, I'd say report him to the police. But maybe your boss is not the boss you wanted. Or he's not that great of a boss, right? Or he or she isn't that great of a boss. Maybe you feel overlooked. Maybe they're not a great leader. Maybe you think I could, I could do, I know toasters that could do better than you, bro. <laughs> well, at that point, you have to ask yourself the question, am I still going to serve them in excellence? God put them in that position for a reason, right? So it's your job to serve that person and make sure to help them to succeed, right? Now, where else can we put this? Or apply it to maybe teachers, pastors, politicians. I was expecting a tomato or coffee or donut to be thrown at me. Not going to lie. That's really important for right now. No matter how much you don't like who's in office or who's sitting in uh, the Capitol building in Denver or in the Capitol in Washington, it don't matter. You're called to serve them and to obey the laws of the land, right? It don't matter. As much as you want it to matter, it don't matter. All right? (laughs) God says you have to love me. 
If anybody had a reason to stop serving, it would have been David. He didn't, though. He still chose to serve Saul continuously throughout Saul's reign in that kingdom, even whenever he had been overlooked. It, in Scripture, it says that David knew Saul and was his heart player and armor bearer before he came to kill Goliath. And David, or Saul looked at David and he said, Who is this whenever he went to kill Goliath? If you read back in 1 Samuel 17, it's a few verses before he goes to say, I'll kill Goliath. Saul asks, who, who is this standing before me? They say it's David. Saul overlooked him. That brought up the point to me, how many of us feel overlooked at times, right? Well, what's really cool is that even though earthly authority might not recognize you, might not look at you and say, hey, I recognize what you're doing. Heavenly authority always does. Heavenly authority will always recognize you. God will always make sure that the time that you put into something, he'll make sure that it grows and that it flourishes and that it's rewarded. This brings me to the second point. Serving will open doors for you and prepare you for where you're going next. In the time that David served Saul, he was recognized by a lot of people in the in the uh, in Israel. If you go to Second uh, Samuel five, we'll start in verse one. Uh, this picks up right after Saul is killed. After Saul and Jonathan are both killed, and uh, David goes back to Israel. He's he's finally safe to go back to Israel, and he comes back. In verse 1, it says, Then all the tribes of Israel went to David at Hebron and told him, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, when Saul was our king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord told you, You will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. You will be Israel's leader. So there at Hebron, King David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel, and they anointed him the king of Israel. That's cool. Right? We know it's also really cool. In that verse, David is referred to as a shepherd. What did he do before he was a warrior and a king? He was a shepherd, right? So even in his time before serving Saul, he was serving his father and God was preparing him for where God, where he was going to take him, right? He prepared him in the pasture to be a shepherd, he prepared him for war, worship, to be a warrior, right? He prepared him for the battlefield. Well, the battlefield prepared him to be a warrior, a warrior king. And then his time in the pasture also carried over to be a shepherd king. David's servanthood gave him an already strong star as the king of Israel. And it prepared him for his role as a king, and it launched him into leading the nation of Israel. When David served, it was like a rubber band being pulled back and you pull it back and back and back and back. And whenever Saul finally passed away, it was like that rubber band was let go and it went ping right into the palace from the pasture to the palace, right? David still, even after he was king, continued to serve God and his people. And if you quick jump to Acts 13. 
If you go there really quick, it's seen. Um, I'm using two Bible translations because I'm that cool. I'm using the New Living Translation. And then Acts 13 right now, what I'm reading out of is the Passion Translation. I love the Passion Translation. You can thank my mom for that. Uh, it's a very poetic book uh, or a translation. I, I love music and I love poetry. I think it's very, very eloquent. I love the way that it's put a lot of the times. Well, in Acts 13, 36, it says, For after he passionately served God's desires for his generation, he died. He was buried with his ancestors and his body experienced decay. That, li- that last part is a little anticlimactic, but uh, look at the first part again. For after he passionately served God's desires for his generation. Passionately served. David's footprint of servanthood was still recognized a thousand years after he had passed away. That's pretty impressive, I'd say. And we're still talking about him today, right? Why do you think that is? Because of his heart to serve. That leads me into my third point. Always look for an opportunity to serve. Now, at this point, David is king. And whenever David became king after Saul died, they went on this huge uh, uh, rampage. I don't know exactly how to put it, where they just killed all of Saul's lineage. They killed all of his sons and all of his grandchildren except for one. And his name was Mephibosheth. If you would turn to 2 Samuel uh, uh, chapter 9. Mephibosheth was uh, Jonathan's son. And David made a covenant with Jonathan before Jonathan had died. They were like brothers, right? Well, whenever Saul had passed away and Mephibosheth's caretaker found out that they were all Um, being killed off, all of Saul's descendants were being killed off. She took Mephibosheth and ran with him. Well, in in the time that she was escaping, she dropped him and it crippled him. So later on, whenever Mephibosheth is all grown up and David is king, he asks for Mephibosheth to be brought to him. Whenever you're Mephibosheth in that situation, you wet yourself a little bit. You're like, oh no. Oh, no. Because David, in that time, if you were a descendant of the previous king and you're a new king, you, you, you died. Plain and simple, you ain't, you ain't living, you ain't going to live if you're found out. You're dying. Well, David orders Mephibosheth to be brought to him, and Mephibosheth goes before him knowing full wealth, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to see the end of today. I'm I'm dead. I'm, I'm done. Well, actually, quite the opposite happens. And it's really cool. If you're in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 9, we'll start in verse 6. It says, His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Verse 7, it reads, Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show you kindness because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. 
I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. David had every right to kill Mephibosheth as soon as he walked in that door. He could have had an arrow ready, and as soon as Mephibosheth walked in, but he didn't. What was really cool is that David looked for an opportunity to serve his king, even whenever his king wasn't alive. He was willing to serve Saul, even if it was later on in his lineage. Whenever they weren't deserving to be served, or they should have been serving David, as Mephibosheth Mephibosheth says, I am your servant, David looked at him and said, no, let me serve you. Let me serve you, because of your father and your grandfather, I want to serve you. Now, I'm going to start wrapping it up a little bit. I'm going to reread my three points. So if you didn't write them down, get a pen and a paper out if you want to write them down. If you don't, just try to remember them. I, I, I want to make myself feel better a little bit. I, as soon as I hear something and I'm like, oh, I need to remember that, it goes, whoop, whoop. it's like in one ear, out the other. And I'm like, wait, what did they say? I forgot what they said. I, I do that all the time. And I used to do it in school a lot, but (laughs) that's why I didn't go to college. (laughs) Anyways, I'm going to reread my three points. Point number one, make yourself available by saying yes. I'll say it one more time. Make yourself available by saying yes. I need to say it again. If it was me, I'd need to hear it again. So it's no shame. Point number two, serving will open doors for you and prepare you for where you're going next. Serving will open doors for you and prepare you for where you are going next. My third point, always look for an opportunity to serve. Always look for an opportunity to serve. As I said in the beginning, whenever I look at those three points, I characterize them as the three qualities of the footprint of servanthood. So when when David led out, out of a servant's heart, his kingdom was very successful and his kingdom saw a lot of growth. But then whenever he led with an abuse, abusive mindset of power and he wanted to rule with an iron fist, he found himself caught up in, uh, I've lost the word, adultery. Got it. Adultery and murder. And, And you see that in the case of Bathsheba and Uriah. Well, after that happened, David repented and found himself back into the, back into, coming back into his heart of servanthood. And that's whenever progress started being made in his kingdom again. He started building and growing his kingdom. Looking at David's footprint, we saw that it carries over into the New Testament a thousand years later after he had passed away. Very few kings did that. A lot of them were pretty crappy kings. David was the only one 
besides Solomon, really, that really made an impact where he was mentioned in the New Testament a whole lot. If you look in Acts 13.22, a verse that I read at the beginning, it says, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Now, if God said that David was a man after his own heart, then that would mean that God has a heart of servanthood, right? Well, then, because we're in church, my second person is Jesus, right? I just had to be cliche because we're in church. Not really. Jesus, being the son of God, had that heart also, right? If you, if you look, Jesus is not only referred to as the son of God, he's referred to the son of, as to, to as the son of David also. 15 times in the gospels alone. Therefore, Jesus carried that same impact that David had. He carried that footprint of servanthood also like David did. If you would turn to John 13, and we'll start in uh, verse 13, 13, 13. Up to this point, Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, and the disciples were kind of giving, or not the disciples, I think it was just Peter, Giving him, started giving him a little bit of a fit, saying, we should be serving you. Why, you're, you're literally the son of God. Why are you washing our feet? My dirty, callous, nasty, grody feet. And Jesus gave, gave them these instructions. He told them in verse 13, you've called me your teacher and Lord, and you're right, for that's who I am. So if I'm your teacher and Lord and have just washed your dirty feet, then you should follow the example that I've set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Now do for each other what I have just done for you. I speak to you a timeless truth. A servant is not superior to his master, and an apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. So now put into practice what I've done for you, and you'll experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessing. What Jesus is telling his disciples is this is how you lead. You shouldn't lead with an abuse of power or with an iron fist. You should lead out of a servant's heart and out of a loving heart and wanting to serve those who you lead, right? My observation that I've seen in the time that I've served in church and that I've served, uh, I've, I've served other leaders the most effective ones are the ones who serve you also. That's exactly what my mom and dad and the other pastoral staff, Pastor Greg, Pastor Mark, uh, Hope, Kelly, Miss Kirsty, anybody else that leads hospitality leadership? Bailey, you're still over there, right? <laughs> Bailey. <laughs> anybody else who leads, they've had mentorship from our pastors because our pastors have washed their feet. Not literally. Dad doesn't do that. <laughs> but they've served them, right? They've served them and taught, and taught them and shown them from example what leadership is. Right? So whenever our leadership who's teaching your kids, who's serving you donuts, who's greeting you at the front door, who's going through and making sure that all these chairs are in order, that all the trash is picked up, making sure that all the trash is dumped out into the dumpster... 
They've had their feet washed. They're leading out of a servant's heart and creating more leaders that want to serve out of a servant's heart, right? It just becomes a chain. And it just becomes a never-ending cycle of, let me serve you, create a leader. Let me serve you, create a leader. Let me serve you, create a leader. Let me serve you, create a leader, right? That's how you make a good church, how you make a good business, right? If you're starting a business, serve your workers. If you're in a power position, serve those that are under you. It's not this, it's not you and the people below you. It should be you and the people below you. You're buddies. You got to be buddies, right? That's how you're effective as a leader. In the two churches that I've served in, that has been the, the, that's, that's the way that things run. It's not a pastor above everybody else and everybody is, oh, my Lord. No, that's not how it goes. A pastor is supposed to lead and say, come on, let's link arms and let's go. Let me serve you and let's go. Scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But that's how the last two churches in Dayton and here have been. They also, these, those churches here and in Dayton have a high volume of people who serve. Everybody wants to be involved somehow, right? That's the amazing thing about having a leader that serves you is because you want to serve like them, right? Well, even though we have a lot of people serving here, there's always room for more people to serve, right? Yeah. Whether, like I said at the beginning, you got to find somewhere where you're good at, right? It shouldn't ever be a hindrance whenever you serve. If you have a pretty face and a strong grip, serve at the front door. Yeah. If you like talking to people, if you like serving people food, our hospitality is a great option for you guys. If you like to clean, if you have OCD, become an usher, right? If you're good at music, if you're good at drums, (laughs) Drums! Worship team, right? If you can play an instrument, if you have a good voice, worship team is a great option for you guys. I say drums because I like drums and I wish I could play drums. And if you're a drummer, you could, you could play for us. You could teach me, right? Yeah? Yeah. If you're hearing this and you're a drummer and you think, that guy's crazy, I don't want to be on a worship team with him. I'm not crazy, I promise. A little bit. I'm just crazy about you, my friend. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I have a fiance. To our people that are joining us online, if you want to serve, if you want to, if you want to find a way to serve well, find a way to get involved in your community. Find a way to serve your first responders in your area. Find a church that you can give to in your area. If you want to, you can even give here. It, we, we support multiple ministries, which is really cool. 
I mean, we, we're able to serve other ministries by giving back to them. It doesn't have to be a financial gift. It can be just serving of your time. Right? If you aren't involved in serving here at N3C or at your home church, wherever you're at, now is the perfect opportunity for you to get involved. Because if you aren't serving, if you aren't washing feet, you ain't having your feet washed. Right? Amen. right? Everybody needs their feet washed. You stink. <laughs> so, Let me make this footprint with my clean washed feet. Let me make this footprint. Right now, if you go back to the three points, I'm presenting to you an opportunity. I'm showing you an open door. Will you say yes? If you want to say yes and you want to get involved somehow, we have brochures that you can fill out. Am I correct? We have brochures that... (laughs) I don't know. What? If you want to get involved, we have brochures that you can fill out and you can put in the tithe and offering box and uh, give us your information and where you want to serve, where you, where you think you'll be best at. And we'll get in touch with you. We'll get you hooked up with the right people. We will set, we will hook you up. We got the connections. Let me tell you, we got connections, right? All right. Well, with that, I want to pray for you guys, and we'll get out of here. Hopefully we beat the Baptist to the buffet, right? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. All right. (laughs) I'm sorry. Dear Father God, thank you for this day, and I thank you for the opportunity that we had to come and just sit in your presence, Father God. Thank you for just blessing us with your presence this morning, Father God. Lord, I pray that as we leave here today, God, we look for opportunities to serve people. And we look for opportunities that we can give back to our communities. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody in here right now that, that says, I, I, God, I don't know if I'm serving you. I pray that, God, you'll soften their heart and they'll hear your voice calling God, that they, they want to serve you. They hear, they hear your voice calling and they say, I need to go. I need to serve him. I'm not going to ask you to, to raise your hand or to walk an aisle. I just ask you to open your heart. For you to just be willing to say yes. To just say, God, I accept you. God, I want to serve you. I want to chase after you. I want to be your servant. And I want to know what it's like to serve you and to serve others. Maybe you're in here and you already have made that decision, but you've walked away or you've stopped serving. And you say, I need to get reconnected. I need to serve again. If you're that person, just say the same exact thing. Say, God, I want to serve you. I open my heart to you and I soften it, Father God, to what you're telling me. And I pray that, that you give me the opportunity to serve somebody. God, I want to serve you. Lord, I pray that you make us better servants, that we look for the opportunities to serve people and that we look to serve well, that we don't look to do 
a half-done job that we do everything to the best of our ability and excellence. God, I thank you for the servants that are stepping forward and saying yes. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you for this day, and I pray that we, we go home and we get, we get home safely. We go to eat. We get wherever we're going safely, Father God. I thank you for this week ahead of us, and I thank you for the opportunities that you're going to present to us. In Jesus' name, amen.